it's a pretty hefty time for a kid in grade two, I've got to say. In fact, even in my teenage years, I remember being a little bit exasperated to the point of mocking, declaring to my friends, who I was still, for some reason, waving it around in front of them. None of them were even remotely interested. <laughs> and I, I hadn't read it, I just knew that it was terribly important. I was just saying, like, this does not make any sense. Who could possibly read this? If I was on a, like a desert island and this fell out of the sky, there's no way I could be a Christian. I cannot understand what they're talking about at all. Hello and welcome. I'm Tanya Reason and this is The Gospel According to Mum, the show where we discuss the transformational work done in us by Jesus Christ as we live out motherhood and discipleship with Him. Thanks for joining us for part three of our Rest and Recap special episode, co-hosted by Ben Reason. In this part, we're remembering our episode three guest, Jenny Greaves, and the theme of spiritual family. Hello, Ben. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for being here. No, I've, I've got my perspective ready. Oh, good. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, it's been fun working on this, just collecting the outtakes. Yes, and, I know. Uh, it just there's some way that would really serve the podcast in the future, just to get them out there. I can't imagine what it is, but good time. I have to be careful because I would never want anyone to think that if they came on the show, people would laugh at them. But most of the time, let's be honest, most of the time it's me. <laughs> well, so I, I just I'd say laugh. something ridiculous. <laughs> anyway. Let's, let's continue on. So we're discussing episode two. Uh, no, we're not. We're discussing episode three. There we go. There's one. That's a good one, yeah. We're discussing episode three, which was Jenny Greaves. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, Jenny was full of love, and the thing that, that seemed to pour out of Jenny is worship for God. Mm. It just seems to come out in everything. Yeah, it was inspiring for me. It was, it was for me also. And so if we, if we start with the scripture, the first one that came up was Psalm 84, 9, and the translation was really important for Jenny. It's the Passion Translation, and it reads, God, your wraparound presence is our defense. In your kindness, look upon the faces of your anointed ones. And in the conversation that we had, we're talking about the use of scripture in our daily lives, and Jenny talks about knowing when she hears a phrase that's godly, and the importance of hearing the word in the context of her own life. And she also mentions that she's a very tactile person, and so the translation of this with the wraparound presence, with the wraparound arms, was really important, not just for her personality, but for where she was in her life as she was going through the decline of her mother. That translation was very important to her. So I would like to know what you think about other translations, because we've talked about this off and on yeah, at well, different times. I'm, I'm very much a stick in the mud. Mm. Um, so I like as analytical, straight-faced, masculine, boring versions. But that being said, there's a ton of guys who really like some of the more modern translations. I find them a little bit confusing, actually. I like things to be a little bit more bare, I suppose. I don't know how many fathers out there want to have, um, I don't know if there's any poetic, strictly strictly sort of pictorial, hyper-descriptive versions of the Bible out a there. A graphic novel. Because well, <laughs> we don't read, yeah. <laughs> no, which is very, very verbose. I, I don't know about many guys that, well, just look at their tattoos. Right. <laughs> That's pretty much the language I think they enjoy. Which is your favourite translation? My go-to. I have a great attachment to my parents' ins and outs regarding faith, and there's one Bible that was handed to me from them. I like the King James. 
but it is really written to be read aloud and if I'm going to stand up in public and declare all over the place that that would be my go-to book but it in itself is sort of hyper poetic a lot of the time. I find it very poetic I find it beautiful especially the start it's just outstanding Oh, I, love I can it. feel you itching to say it right oh, now. Oh, I want to. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so I quite like American Standard. I didn't expect. I did not know that about you. There you go. Have you spent some time in the American Standard? Well, I think that's the one that I have. That little blue book. Oh, when yes. I was when I went to a flea market when I was seven, and Mum gave me a dollar, and I bought a little blue bi- <laughs> blue Bible. <laughs> you didn't buy candy. No, no. You bought the American Standard. Well. It was owned by R. Jenny 2B, apparently. It's a pretty hefty tome for a kid in grade two, I've got to say. Did you try to read it? Yeah, I failed. In fact, even in my teenage years, I remember being a little bit exasperated to the point of mocking, declaring to my friends, who I was still, for some reason, waving it around in front of them. None of them were even remotely interested. <laughs> and I hadn't read it. I just knew that it was terribly important. I was just of course, saying, like... This does not make any sense. Who could possibly read this? If I was on like a desert island and this fell out of the sky, there's no way I could be a Christian. I cannot understand what they're talking about at all. Mm. And then later on, you know, my education improved a bit. Um, I would say I, I read aloud a bit more and that helped, but there was just a point where it just started to make sense. And I remember hearing... Um, a story of that Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, and he was describing himself as a skater, a son of fairly arty, not particularly overbearing Christians, and he was not remotely Christian, and he wanted to be a little skate nerd slash punk. And there was a time in his life where he just says that God just built his mind for the Bible, and mm. then he's doing his PhD and learning like ancient Hebrew and, and biblical Greek and stuff like. Yeah, and well, he's in astonished. part one of this episode, I said the same thing. All oh, right. Just before I became a Christian, I opened the Bible again that that I'd been given when I was a teenager. Mm. It had a similar experience. I could understand it, but I didn't understand it. It just seemed, it seemed far away, and then all of a sudden, it was like reading a different book. Yeah, I think a part of that up. we're a bit more familiar with the stories, but. Ah, I was pretty familiar with the stories too as a kid. No, I'd never, this was the New Testament, I'd never read it before in my Mm. life. I always started at Genesis because that's the kind of person I am, started at the very beginning. (laughs) Me too. You can work your way through. Yeah. So as a father, how do you respond to Jenny's translation? I run away from it. (laughs) It's too touchy-feely. Don't touch me. I was going to say, are you wrapped around no. your family? No. It's so funny. You were having a talk the other day about um, our eldest, and she hugs a bit like me, which is you create a platform for her to sit on and you mm. don't touch her until <laughs> she's ready, yeah. and then you don't hold on for too long. Yeah. And that's how I feel about <clears throat> that translation. <laughs> do, you need a, do you need the word to be written in the way that you're wired? Yes. Does it change according to your circumstances? Well, I'm going to pretend that I'm not incredibly fixed and slightly lazy, and I'll say if it's good enough for God to explain things to me in a way that I understand, I don't think it's unreasonable to stick with a translation that is easy for me to understand. Mm, Yeah. So the big theme that went through Jenny's was the the idea of, of spiritual family. 
Right. So what is a spiritual family and how do we like respond? Church, when people say they Yeah, yeah. So, you know, gathering children. I mean, Jenny gathered children all over the place, you know, in, in the best way possible. And, and so how do we respond to the concept of a spiritual family and how important does that seem, the, the real family dynamics of sharing well, faith with those who know us I best? don't know about that one. I feel as though I haven't explored it enough myself. I remember when we first started going to our most regular church and an awesome, awesome guy made reference to him being a part of our, like you and my, church mm. family. Mm. And I didn't sneer at him. He seemed like a hell of a nice guy. It, I wasn't really, it wasn't really cringeworthy either. I, it just, he's so sincere, but I didn't think that was anything like a family. Mm. It was a, a bunch of fantastic people who were really excited to see us because I think they thought we were new. And I just dismissed we it. <laughs> we were terribly new, that's yeah. right. There's something very exciting about new people knocking on the door of a church. I, I felt it now that I've, I've been around as well. Mm. So, no, I wouldn't, wouldn't complain too hard about that. But I have not really taken it as far as I think it could be. Mm. I have some friends from that time, and they're my friends still. Are they family? Well, I trust them with my kids sometimes, so maybe they are. But I don't think I have really explored that enough. Mm. How about you? Well, the scripture that, that was we talked about at that point was 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And Jenny was talking about that in the context of being drawn into faith by young people. She was sort of drawn there by her husband predominantly and his shift in faith sort of back to church, but then her children going to church. And then the neighbours' children taking mm, them to church as well. Isn't it? And as as time has gone on for her, she found herself more and more drawn by by young people in the church and she became a smash mum and all of those sorts of things. What do you think about spiritual mums and spiritual parents, spiritual dads? And, and I mean, can you take on the role of someone's spiritual son? within a church. I mean, Paul talks about that specifically with Timothy. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with that, but yes, I suppose you can. I used to do a lot of martial arts when I was younger, and there was a relationship that developed between the students and the teachers, and I I wouldn't say that it was spiritual, but that guy was not our dad. But there was something about his experience in the one discipline we were studying and his attitude towards it, and he was a real role model in that particular area so a lot of people saw him and I know in my job I've had some some kids refer to me that way within the confines of my particular thing I was teaching them well has it changed for you as a as a teacher now I mean do you see the children that you teach differently now that you're a father yes absolutely I'm not as mean <laughs> as often <laughs> uh, it, it does you know, there's there's a famous picture of a of an iceberg, and um, it has like it's on it's got like kids' bad behaviour, and it's got the tip of the iceberg sort of being what they say, and then there's a whole uh, mountain range beneath the surface. It has things written on like you know diet last night, younger sister, red lights at the at the traffic mm-hmm. stop. That 
was not instinctive to me before I was a parent and even and before I see that, that poster. But that is very much the case now. I don't really see bad behaviour at work. I see... I just ask flat out, have you had breakfast? Hmm. Did you sleep? Has you got a sister or something keeping you up all night? Actually, most of the time I turned to be right. Hmm. So, yeah, it's changed a lot. Understanding followed by compassion. So how important do you think the family model is to church, if not to everything? I think the family model is the most important thing. And every time I say this, I feel as though I have to be careful for people whose family isn't where they want it to be. But I don't have to be that careful. I think a lot of people want... A strong family at this event I'm doing next week, actually. The the finale item is this big song about how the most valuable thing you can invest in is a family tree. And it's very American, it's a little bit cheesy, but I reckon we're going to get half the room to cry on that one because it's just true. It's a huge investment. We um, love American people, by the way. <laughs> Here they, at the Gospel they, According they, to Mum. We they, love you. They are good And fun. so does God. <laughs> Yes, I would say that now that I've got one, I don't know why I waited so long. You've got two, by the way. No, oh, family. Oh, right. <laughs> I suppose I have two as well, but... Let's not go into that. Back away, yeah. back away. Um, so you, are, you, are you expecting our children to teach you things? Are you, and are you open to our children teaching you things about, about faith and about God? Do you think they can? Um, Do you think a younger person can teach an older person something about faith? No, as an older, arrogant sort of person, I don't think anyone can teach me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm open to the suggestion. There's a reason why people stand around and watch the little, little turtles come out of the sand and somehow amazingly know where the ocean is and off they go. It's, it's an evidence of a plan. And, well, I have seen them do things that are the most natural things in the world and not... Not animalistic things, um, family things, very familiar things, things you can't really explain or there's not yet a word for. And I see God all the time in their habits. Mm. And it's just, it's amazing when they, when you're halfway through one of their rants and you realise they are just doing a performance of you. And mm. because they're not you, you see how it, it doesn't really fit and you think, Oh, that's quite a good idea, and oh, that's ridiculous, I won't do that again. So mm. it has been really useful to have that mirror as well. Well, I think it's important to remember in the scripture that I think Paul is not talking about an immature faith. He's talking about a mature faith on a, on a young person, on, a, on an immature person. But what is mature faith? Mature faith, I suppose you can checklist it with the fruits of the Spirit to actually see if, it's, mm. if it is uh, God-centric. I think a mature faith holds the the human tensions in check with our spiritual origins, or at least the direction we're headed. We do get scared, and even though the Bible is peppered with "Don't be afraid," gosh, there's an awful lot in there that there is to be afraid of. Mm. And I do don't really think being afraid is a sin. I just think that you have to be aware of your fear because it will change your outlook on the possibilities mm. of your future. You're hamstring yourself thinking you're protecting some outcome, but you can't see all outcomes, mm. so you're just hobbling around for no well, reason. Well, that was almost an impossible question, really, because you can't really know what, it, what your mature faith will look like until you get to the end, and then 
you won't be around to answer that question. I think we all learn at different points, don't we? So there might be something that a younger person can show me, but they, we won't necessarily all be able to show each other everything. No, and you can only learn things that you're ready for. Hmm. I have noticed as a parent, and now that I'm a bit older, I've just become more and more a student, more and more an, an observer, and less fearful, actually. I think people really like learning from kids because there's a certain innocence there. Like this, this lady at work, and I've probably spent two years just with casual kind of conversations about the church I go to. And after a bit more programming conversation, it turns out that she's a regular every Sunday at some church when she lives. And it's amazing to me how many silent Christians are out there. And we all just pass each other, acting mm -hmm. as though we're the only one. But a kid walk straight up to you mm -hmm. and they'll tell you all about it. Now, if I walked straight up to everyone and said things like, mm, I think you're going to have a daughter, mm. they might be a little bit confronted. But a kid did that to me. Yeah. Um, and he was right, yes. actually. He looked creepier. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and you could say, well, he had a 50% chance of getting it right. But he, the, that conversation was preceded by, are you a Christian? I am a Christian. And then, and then a conversation about churches and then, and then the statement out of the blue. Mm which did indeed turn out to be true. So I think you, you definitely learn what you're ready for at the time. And mm. I think kids are, are fantastic vehicles for these sorts of things because we approach them relatively unguarded, at least and not competitive and not fearful even. Mm. Yeah, it's a much more open conversation, isn't it? So speaking about being open, the, the third scripture that we touched on was Isaiah 54 two. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. I love that line. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And I also brought Luke 6.38, which was give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. When we were discussing this in the episode, Jenny was talking about covering children, um, not stepping into the mother role, but offering a place for other children outside of her family to come and be covered so again, that theme of a spiritual parent came is, is very much woven through Jenny's life. And she talks about her amazing life and that she almost felt guilty for not having a terrible story to tell, <laughs> but for having an amazing family and great opportunities, but still needing Christ. And I, I suppose mine would be the same. But, uh, I didn't have any obvious signs of distress, but mm. I still needed Jesus. And she goes on to talk about how those blessings are important in times of managing trials and spiritual attack. That if we stand up for God and be active for God, that there comes resistance. We discussed that in a previous part as well. And that's when you need to remember all the blessings and draw them in. And she actually said, every time I followed what he's asked us to do, we have been blessed. Financially, she said specifically, but it could be in any way. So as a father, what do you, th how do you think about generosity and stretching out your tent to bring people under it? Because as a mother, it's almost easier in a way because we have a nurturing role. Yep. So to stretch the tent wide is, that's sort of part of our, it's just an extension of what we're already doing. But as a father, you've also got the protective role. Well, I was just saying that when you were reading that chapter, the thing that really stuck out to me was this, the strengthening of the the pegs or whatever. What oh, was, strengthening like, the stakes, yes. The stakes. So there's all this, these elements making this very large, inclusive kind of 
almost family celebratory space. Mm. But the stakes, it says to me, it has to be a space that can protect your guests from the weather. And I was thinking... And not be torn down either. And perhaps also something that's going to stay a while. Yeah. It's not going to be pulled up the next day. I think a big part of my future with my kids, and something I think about all the time, is protecting a worldview, protecting their... I can't think for them. But I've been very careful uh, every time our eldest pulls out a half-learned Bible favourite from kindy to approach it quite apologetically just not give her any particular view that can be meddled with or torn down or Mm. or displaced because there's a lot of things out there for kids that are not really true like that um or even that song with a Jesus meek and mild, <laughs> this idea of baby Jesus um, being this little angel, little uh, Jesus, um, no crying he makes, like the song. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure that he you might have, did. might have cried as an infant. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not, like, trying to crush all I think I would say, I would even go so far as to say it would be a concern if he wasn't crying. <laughs> I, I don't go out of my way to, to keep everything very stoic and militant and serious and... I'm glad you enjoyed Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but let's talk about balls of gas. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah. when she brings home elements of faith, I just want that, which will become a shield for her in itself, her not to have any loose ends, at least the mm. ones that I've seen. Yeah. I'm sure she'll batten down her own hatches, but um, there's some that I know of, and I'm gently introducing them. Right, yeah. Well, you're making those stakes strong and sure. You can offer people stakes, it's getting them to use them that's the issue, mm-hmm. I think. Mm, well, yes. Then, of course, there's the issue of sharing. And we, we don't come from a culture that shares as a matter of course. When something really bad happens, both of our countries are very good at pulling together, mm. you being Australian, myself being New Zealand, and actually my heritage in, in England as well. The English are also very good at that. They pull together, we band together and we get it done, but we're not habitually generous. We don't have, you know, the whole neighbourhood over to everybody's no. house down the street every, you know, we don't once have a night. 400 wedding guests. That's right, yeah. So why is it so hard to share? Because we see it in the kids, watching them share. And yet, we've got two girls, and I've actually said to them, this is great that you have sisters, that you are sisters, because... You're going to get. You're both going to get girly presents, which means you're going to get like double presents, <laughs> because I'm trying to get them to understand that if they share, they've got even more. And sometimes mm. I, I flattered myself by being cunning and buying a present that's complimentary, you know, yes, so indeed. they can, you know, build a whole world. But then it just becomes about that one piece of that toy that needs to be held for some reason. Why? I see myself logically that it's better to share. But, but I am a gripper as well. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it so hard? Um, well, it's a bit to do with our fallen nature, but I've noticed that Jesus really focuses on that when he talks about things like greed, for example. Mm. It is pretty natural for us to protect our stuff. We're a bit afraid of running out. A lot of us haven't gone anywhere near running out, but we're still terrified of the concept. But... Thinking about it now, I don't think I've been in a situation where I've shared and I've thought, oh, I actually really needed that. That was a bit of a mistake. Mm. 
But there it is, the, the fear of sharing. Um, it's a bit like the ring, isn't it, the Lord of the Rings? It's really <laughs> hard to let it, it go, but once you've given it to Frodo, you don't really want it anymore. Well, certainly nothing bad happens, I've noticed. Mm. And with our kids' case, one gets bored and hands it back. <laughs> That's <laughs> usually what happens. Yeah. But it is like that too, because I've seen with the girls that if one of them starts playing with something and they're obviously enjoying it, even if the other one was quite happily playing with something else, they want that thing because they see the enjoyment on the other person's face. Yes, indeed. So what do they really want? They want, <laughs> they want the enjoyment. <laughs> they don't really care about the thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to ask me the questions. <laughs> Steady on. So is, one thing Jenny does well is, is generosity, and I mm. think she's made a concerted effort to practice that side of her spiritual discipline, mm. that I'm going to be someone who is generous, and I'm going to be someone who is faithful, and she does it. For me, I think it's the key, the key thing that she does is she remembers all the blessings, the previous blessings. Mm. I mean, we've talked about this before, going back in time and remembering all of the things that discouraged oh. you. Yes. But that's not what Jenny does. She goes back and remembers all the blessings. And it, it's like it frees her up. Well, I had all those blessings before. It sort of, it seems to generate trust, doesn't it? Certainly. So why would I not believe that God will bless me again? And you and I have been in some ridiculous financial situations, but we have never run out. It's true. And then magic money has come from weird places that we weren't expecting just out of the blue as well. Yeah, no, that, that was a very, very long tank of petrol. I was surprised the car ran that long. Yeah. I have to say, for the benefit of the audience, this is, this was a, it was, it was a proper miracle, wasn't it? We had a, we had a car and we were just bleeding money and... Was it like, how long was it? We had to get end? to job interviews. Yes. It went, we, we, we existed on a quarter of a tank of petrol it was at least two weeks yeah. going around everywhere. And we, yeah. weren't, we weren't not travelling. We yeah, it was amazing, actually. Yeah, it was amazing. So the final scripture was Luke eighteen sixteen. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And Jenny was... That was something that, that came to me. We were talking about her mother... Um, in her final days, how a lot of the kids that Jenny had taken under her wing over the years had come with meals. She said she never cooked a meal the entire time she was looking after her mother because they came and they spoke about God to her mother. And she said that she found it hard to talk to her mother about God, but she knew that the kids had had conversations with her mother and even though I could see that it was it was an emotional point for her, she talked about trusting God to use the people that he needed to use to speak into her mother's life. Why is it so hard to talk to our family about God? It certainly is hard, isn't it? It's strange. There's this, this famous apologist that I think is fantastic, and he just... I know you're not supposed to defeat people in public discussions about God, but he just smashes them to pieces left and right. It's terribly exciting. And his family are atheists. And I'm just thinking, if there's anyone in the universe that can have that difficult conversation with family, surely it's this professional argument-winning machine for God. And not so much. He doesn't really convince anyone that he's related to, which is what's so compelling about 
uh, the case for Christ that Jesus' brother would be a convert because I'm just trying to think of what it would take for my family members to go, oh, yeah, Ben's the son of God. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible, actually. Mm. Well, it's so, like what Jesus says, a prophet is never accepted in his hometown. It is. So that's the question. Why is that so? I suppose the family models are powerful. They're super strong. I, I heard that what happens to you when you're 10 it pretty much sets the tone for your life. So if you've had some great beach times when you were 10, you become one of these beach-type people. Think about it now. I was 10 going through that Christian school, and my brothers were a bit older or a bit younger. Mm. And I'm like, mm, I wonder if it's tr- how true that is. Wow. But I, was at, I, was, I was in a Christian school as well. And uh, that's when I started to learn to sing. And there you go. Yeah. Protect their 10 years. Yes. Make sure they're doing the statistics. And so, I don't know if any of that's true, but... Um, <laughs> something else, something useful. But, are we going to learn about finance girls? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that whatever the formative years are, they're extraordinarily powerful. And it is, it is hard to shake. And I think that's why you can't talk to your parents as well as you'd hope. Do you think it's because they can't see you as anything but their child? I don't know about that. I've found that my parents are not as immovable as I thought they were as a kid. You, you see them as this titanic thing. I'm still pretty sure my dad knows everything, but as a kid I was absolutely convinced. But I've seen my mum take up ukulele in her 70s. Like, they're actually not as fixed as you think. Because in your head they're parents for life but they're pretty I'm pretty sure they're still just people in their heads mm. and then finally what does that mean for evangelism because I I don't think of myself as a as a I don't think that my spiritual calling is as an evangelist but I imagine for people who are I mean would there be an element do you think of, of expect like the guy you mentioned of expecting to be able to evangelize to anyone mm, it's, yeah I've you just, you, you can't, and I'm always surprised when I see that, like John Lennox, I remember seeing him on one of our particularly awful talk shows in this country, which is just known for being a real pit of vipers. Like, if you are not 100% militant left, they're going to attack you relentlessly for about an hour. And I thought, how's this, what's this man going to do? And he more or less stayed silent. He was just a guest who didn't say anything. Mm. I think there are situations where you have to wipe the dust from your feet I think that you do have an enhanced view of how rigid other people are I'm still not quite sure why it's so difficult to talk about the thing that's most important to you Mm. it seems to be the way whether you're super educated or not but if you're about 10 years old, it doesn't seem to matter at all. <laughs> you just go off and get started. <laughs> they have nothing to I lose, do they? I remember when I, we got separated in, in the early days and you went home for Christmas and I was coming to visit you and this little girl sitting beside me in the plane explained to me at great length how it's going to be okay if the plane crashes and we die because God's going to look after us. Now, I wouldn't there cry that myself. There seems to be myself. a theme in your life. I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, that, attract that, chatty children. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> children talking to you about God. Yeah, mm. It's a funny old flight. The um, the air pressure made the little ink of my pen explode. So I was just I was just <laughs> pouring ink out of my fingers. And I was just going, I was trying to not. Mm, that's, that's interesting. Oh yes, well I think I probably if if I don't know if it's time 
I can't think we can do much about that, but I'm sure you look afterwards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just squirt, squirt, squirt. <laughs> just try to desperately not explode to... on a pen. Oh, it's a very special pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think I think I think that what Jenny's conversation really showed me was how you can be a bit you don't have to be so closed off. And you can you can take that role of a spiritual family in any direction. <laughs> if you're practically helping and serving someone and that it's actually really important to embrace it and that that was where it's sort of this idea of the family model and how important it really is really began for me just just listening to jenny talk and the way it's just woven through in all directions she was she's been a daughter she's been a mother she's been you know it was certainly a theme for the podcast wasn't it it was yeah Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you for your insights and thoughts. Oh, thank you for having me. And we'll catch up again in the last part of this episode. Thanks for listening today. You can find out more about the show, our guests, and subscribe and download through all our channels by visiting thegospelaccordingtomum.com. In part four of my conversation with Ben, we'll be recapping episode four with Helen Bartlett. If you'd like to review the scriptures we discussed, please visit the website for the references in Episode 7 show notes. In the meantime, be encouraged, friend. And remember, the God who taught you to love will not leave you as you walk with Him more and more at your own pace. I'm Tanya Reason, and you've been listening to The Gospel According to Mum. Till next time.